are in our fourth and final week of a series that we've been in about relationships. It's called You For Me and Me For You. And in this series, we've been talking about a biblical perspective on relationships. There have been weeks where we've talked about what does it look like to honor God and display his love through our singleness. And what does it look like to honor God and display the love of God through marriage. And so we've been looking at um, different seasons of our life and what that looks like. And this morning, we are going to share a message with you called Lessons That We Have Learned in Marriage. And a few things that I want to help us with, I've said this on different weeks, but you may be in this room and you may be single. And I just want to encourage you not to zone out this morning, um, that you would allow God to speak to you through this message. And it may not be directly for you, but there may be a conversation, there may be a family member, someone that you know, that God can use this message to speak through you, to encourage someone else. Um, and and to help them. And so I want to encourage you, even if you're in a single season of your life, that you would still listen up and take notes today. The second thing that I want to share with you is um, I didn't want to share this message alone. And so there are going to be a few people that are joining me. And none of us would say we are experts, okay? We're not up here because we've perfected the art of marriage in any way. A lot of the things that we're going to share, we're still learning in and we're still growing in. But we want to open up God's word together and share from the scriptures um, some of the things that God's challenging us with and some of the lessons that we have learned. So we're practitioners as well, but we want to open up the scriptures together and learn and be challenged by God. And so I've invited my beautiful wife, Sarah, if you would give her a hand. And also, Pastor Hannah, our kids pastor, and her husband, Adrian, are going to be joining us as well. Please give them a hand as they make their way up to the stage. And this morning, as I mentioned, we're going to be sharing just these are lessons that we've learned. We talk together, just things that God's been challenging us with. You know, Sarah and I have had an opportunity to share our story a number of different times on the stage But I wanted to start by um, Hannah and Adrian, you guys just taking a moment and sharing a a little bit about yourself, um, your story, your relationship as we get started here this morning. Yeah, so good morning and hello to everybody. Um, Again, my name's Hannah and this is my awesome husband. His name is Adrian. (laughs) Fantastic. Um, We've been dating since 2015, so we've been together for eight years. Um, We are going on five years of marriage this October. Um, Holla, holla, bills, y'all. So that's been fantastic. Um, I wanted to share a little bit, uh, just a quick story about us, about our first date. (laughs) Adrian loves this story. If you've been around us any amount of time, you may have heard this already, but I just love telling it. So we're going to tell it one more time at least for today. Um, And so on our first date, I mean, we've known each other since we were kids, but I had a crush on him when I was 14, and I did not get to start dating him until 2015, which was years and years later. So congrats to me. On our first date, we went to Steak and Shake. Everybody here likes Steak and Shake, right? They closed them all down around here. It sucks. Anyway, but we went to Steak and Shake, and we had awesome burgers with the skinny little French fries. And then to end the date, we got milkshakes to go. And we went to this little pond next door to Steak and Shake over in Arlington. And we were watching the ducks, and we were drinking our milkshakes. And after that, we were going to go see the movie Inside Out at the movie theater. And so we went to go see the movie, and about midway through the movie, Adrian leans in and says, I'll be back. My mom is calling. <laughs> and I'm like, 
can Carmen not wait? <laughs> like, we're on a date. My hand's open. I'm waiting for you to hold it. Like, come on now. So he leaves. He's gone for, like, a while. And the longer he's gone, the more irritated I'm getting. Like, you're on the phone with your mom on our first date, and you're gone for a while. So he comes back. A little while later, he leans in against and says, sorry, I'll be back again. <laughs> and I'm like, what is going on? Like, is there a family emergency? Why do you keep talking to your mom on the phone on our first date? It turns out many years later, I discovered that Adrian is lactose intolerant. <laughs> so those lovely milkshakes we romantically shared near the pond watching the ducks, well, they hit fiercely. And he decided to lie and say that his mom was calling instead of saying, I have explosive diarrhea and I have to go to the bathroom now. Please excuse me. So that's our first date story. I hope all of you have some fun first date stories as well. If you have any about explosive diarrhea, I'd like to hear about it because I think it's really, really fun to talk about that. Just, just to, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, Diarrhea happens. So just like Pastor Aaron said, none of us are experts. We are not up here because we're experts, but we are up here because we are regular human beings, just like you all who suffer from explosive diarrhea sometimes. Um, so that's the last time you'll hear that sentence. You're welcome for being able to have potty talk in an adult setting at church. But we have learned a lot throughout our marriage. We've learned many lessons. Have we not? I would say yes, for sure. Um, <laughs> communication being one of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also just learning that you're an oversharer and I'm just an undersharer. I would have never told that story and it's a little embarrassing, but not like all the way embarrassing, like just a little embarrassing. But what I really wanted to talk about today is just celebrating those differences that you and your spouse have because whenever you use them God's way uh, to help each other, that um, your marriage will prosper. And really, like, once you learn, like, effective communications, all your relationships will prosper. Um, but whenever you're in, like, a, a dark place and there's, like, differences between y'all and those, those things that you found endearing about your spouse can now, like, start to pick at you. So we want to learn how to use differences correctly, okay? Um, so I'm going to break the fourth wall. We're going to go to you guys now. We're going to do a super short exercise. It's a these or those questions. So if you identify with one, you raise your hand, all right? So even single people, you can participate as well because you might have not known that you thought this way or you might have not known that was, there's a different perspective when talking about such things. So again, if it was like oversharer versus undersharer, I'm an undersharer and hand is an overshare. Are you an undershare? Undershare? Are you an overshare? Okay, that's how we're going to do it. So, Be careful so, in a pastor's home, y'all, because anything is a sermon illustration <laughs> at some point. Okay, so everyone has money in their marriage. So spenders versus savers. If you're the spender, raise your hand. I'm the spender. Yep. And if you're the saver, raise your hand. There's the savers. <laughs> introverts versus extroverts where are the introverts yep and now where are the extroverts yep all right planners versus procrastinators 
Who are our planners? Pastor Aaron, you're not a planner. Are you a procrastinator? Yeah. Where are my procrastinators? <laughs> you're, you're like 5149. <laughs> okay. And then um, abstract thinkers versus like concrete detailed thinkers. So abstract thinkers, a little more of a blank canvas thinkers. And we'll call um, concrete detailed thinkers, we'll call them um, coloring book thinkers. Oh, that's not me. No. You got to stay in the lines. You need parameters. I am a blank canvas thinker for sure. Okay, now we're going to talk about if you have a waffle brain or if you have a pancake brain. So if you have a waffle for a brain, it's super compartmentalized. And when life throws syrup on you, it's compartmentalized. You need to break those walls down. Um, You also can only do one thing at a time. You're not a multitasker. Also... You're a man, okay? <laughs> if you have pancake brain, when life throws syrup on you, everything comes out at once. But you're also a multitasker and take care of multiple things. Also, you're a woman. <laughs> so if you're a pancake thinker, when they say, hey, babe, how was today? That's a loaded question, and it's going to, like, a lot of emotions and also visual things will come with that. So, um, waffle brains, yep, all the men in the room, perfect. (laughs) And then pancake brains, yep. Okay, so now, how many of you, you and your spouse, are like complete opposites? All right, so now, how many of you, you and your spouse, like, are the same? Nobody. Nobody. (laughs) One? One back there? Nice. So that just goes to illustrate that Whenever we're in the covenant of marriage and we do things God's way, your spouse is your helper. Um, So that kind of looks like whenever um, God tells you, hey, name all the animals. And you're like, well, this is a turtle. It's an amphibian. And this is a tortoise. It's a reptile, I think. But perspective will go a long way there. And then when God tells you, um, go ahead and subdue the earth and work it. A helper is definitely needed in Texas in the summertime, for sure. And then when God tells you to um, be fruitful and multiply, and you're under the covenant of marriage, you're, like, excited that you get to become one flesh, for sure. But also, being one flesh physically also needs to come with being one flesh mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. And kind of having those differences work together versus being divisive is kind of what I've learned through through marriage. So good. If you know me very well, you know I love diversity. I love studying people. Um, and I actually use an assessment professionally to help people. We use it with all of our engagement counseling. If you've gone through engagement counseling they did with us, um, we have you take it because it shows you the, the beauty of the diversity and how you can balance one another out. Um, and so I always think about when we first took it, Um, we were at a different church and they had all the staff take it. And I had this huge realization about Aaron because for years, I will admit this now, um, I just said inside, I'm a more caring person than Aaron is. (laughs) Like (laughs) I care about people and you know, Aaron just doesn't care about people as much as I do. What that assessment helped me to understand is Aaron cares about people differently than I do. 
I am very empathetic, right? I take on everybody's emotion. Like if I'm at the grocery store and somebody has a crying baby, I feel that tension for that parent. Um, and he does not. He cares about people very intentionally, one-on-one. And so um, if, if you're interested, I'll just throw this out there. You can go to teamsite.co and take the free assessment. It's really great and really helpful just to help us figure out how do you balance, how are you wired differently, and how can I leverage my strengths to better the people around me? Also, real quick, before you take actual like aptitude and assessment tests, if you and your spouse haven't taken the love language, the five love language books, that can change your marriage overnight before you do any assessment tests. Just saying. That's really good. The lesson that I wanted to share is just words of encouragement or words of affirmation. And so if you have your Bibles or if you're taking notes, you can write this down. But um, Song of Solomon chapter seven, we see this all throughout the book. And if you've never read that book, it is a love poem. Um, Most people believe between King Solomon and a young maiden that he was marrying or that he was engaged to. And chapter 7, verse 4, let me just read a few of these verses. He's writing this poem to her and he says, Your neck is like an ivory tower. Your eyes are like the fish pools in Heshbon by the gates of Bath Rabin. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon, which looks towards Damascus. Your head crowns your head, or your hair crowns your head like caramel. Your flowing locks are purple as a king being held captive in the tresses. Now, when we read that, we're like, is he insulting her or complimenting her? Because it just sounds a little weird to us culturally. But you guys, this was the top love song of the day. Okay, let me just explain this. Um, in their culture, what he's affirming is her beauty. And Guys, I do not recommend you telling your spouse that her nose is like a tower, okay? In our culture, that is not a good thing. But back then, he's affirming like the beauty that he sees in her. And if you go back and you continue to read chapter 7, he is very detailed. And I wanted to keep this morning PG, but he gets in some very um, detail about the beauty that he sees in her, like the, the sexual attraction that he has for her. He is verbalizing that, and he's speaking that over their relationship And over their marriage. And this is what I want to encourage you with. Is that for your husband or for your wife. You should be the number one source of encouragement they have in their life. They should never have to go to another person. To another individual into their workplace. To feel built up. To feel encouraged. To feel valued or appreciated. That is your job as a husband or a wife. To verbally affirm them. To encourage them in that way. And to champion them. So Sarah and I, we joke a lot, and I'm like, Sarah, I need you to be my number one cheerleader. And so she'll joke, and she'll say, Aaron, I've got my pom-poms out. Tell me what you did today. And I just need her to tell me how awesome I am. And and we need that from one another to be encouraged. And I really want to challenge you with that, that you are verbalizing. And it can be, you know, written, but you're sharing with your significant other. Hey, here's the value. Here's the beauty that I see in you. Here's the gifts. And so when you see that they are, you know, they finished a project at work, you're the first one to celebrate with them, okay? When they're feeling a little bit down about themselves, husband, your wife is having a bad bad hair day, you're the first one to encourage and to speak beauty over them and what you see in them. You need that kind of encouragement from one another. And we need to be better at vocalizing that. Um, Once again, there should be no other place that you're looking for that. It should be from your spouse. And so just some simple ways that you could do this. You guys may have a lot better ways of, it could be, you know, hiding a sticky note 
in their purse or in their laptop or out in their car so that when they get there that day, they see that and it's just a small word of affirmation or encouragement that you're speaking over them. It could be a text in the middle of the day of, hey, I'm thinking about you. I just want you to know how amazing I think that you are. How are you verbalizing that? And so I want to encourage you. If you were Song of Solomon or you were this young maiden that she's writing and encouraging Solomon in this book of the Bible that we see, what are the things that you would say about your spouse? Encouraging, not tearing them down, okay? So what are the encouraging things that you would say about your spouse? And then I want you to answer this question. Have you verbalized that lately? Do they know that that's how you see them, that the good attributes that you see in them? Have you spoken that out loud to them? Have you said that to them? Because in our marriages, once again, we should be our number one champions and cheerleaders in our spouse. We should be speaking those words of encouragement to build them up and not to tear them down, but to encourage. Here's the beauty and the value that I see in you as an individual. That's so good. Actually, when you were talking, it reminded me of when me and Adrian got married, we wrote letters to each other. Um, they were almost like vows without saying it in front of everybody. Um, so we did your typical vows, but we actually wrote um, marriage letters to one another. And in the letter, I remember writing that I would be your biggest fan and your number one supporter in your failure and in your successes. Um, and that just reminded me of that. And let me tell you, that's not always easy to live out. So in life, when one of us fails, it's not always hard, or it is hard, it's not always easy to still be that number one fan, that biggest supporter, that cheerleader, um, as you guys would say. So a lesson that I've learned in marriage is that I need God's help. Yeah. I need God's help to be the wife that he has called me to be, and I cannot do it by my own strength and by my own power and by my own will. I, I need God's help. And the biggest way that I find that I receive God's help, and really the only way in my mind is through prayer. Um, and I've discovered and we've really discovered that through praying over each other together, praying over each other privately, praying together through situations and praying over our marriage, that has been one of the biggest um, intimacy changing things in our life. It's been the best thing for our marriage. So what I've learned is that you need to be praying for your spouse and praying for your, your husband or your wife and for your marriage always all the time. And if you're single, that doesn't mean that you can't start praying for that future spouse now. Pray for God to give you the eyes to find that person, the heart to know how to love that person. Pray over wherever that person is right now. You may not even know him or her yet, but you can still be intentional to start praying over that person now, and God will bless you for that. And, um, you know, whenever I say praying over that person, it just it reminds me of a saying from Pastor Jimmy Evans, and he says, you can have a 100% success rate in marriage, but you have to do it God's way. Yeah. You have to do it God's way. So I want you to hear that. You can have a 100% fabulous and successful marriage, but you have to do it God's way. And when we say do it God's way, it just makes me think, invite in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Invite the Holy Spirit into your life. And the reason I say that is because I think your flesh wakes up every single day. On its own. 
If you wake up and you have breath in your lungs, your flesh is awake. That means your fleshly desires have woken up. That means your past hurts have woken up. That means all of the pain in your past have woken up. Everything in you has woken up. That flesh is awake now. But you have to be intentional to decide you're going to invite the Holy Spirit into it every single day. Holy Spirit, I call you into my life today. I call you in to help me be the wife that you have called me to be. Every single day, you ask the Holy Spirit for his help, and he will help you. That's his promise, not mine. He will help you. So doing it God's way just means inviting God into the picture, inviting God to be the center of your marriage, inviting God to have a voice in your marriage. And I've actually come up with um, four benefits, if you will, that you will see if you pray over your spouse and over your marriage every single day consistently. There are much more than just four, but these are the four that we're going to focus on today. So praying over your spouse and praying over your marriage, it's going to help you with forgiveness. So who in this room knows that it's not easy all of the time to forgive our spouse, right? Nobody? Nobody thinks it's ever hard? All right, cool. I'm a kid's pastor, so I like affirmation. Um, So if, you know, sometimes we are hurt by our spouse and we don't want to forgive them yet. Why? Because we want them to remember that we're still hurt. Sometimes we feel our spouse has not apologized the way we imagined it in our mind and they don't deserve our forgiveness yet. Sometimes we think our spouse has not earned our forgiveness yet. Has anybody been there? Yeah, I'm there a lot more than I would like to admit. Sorry, Adrian. Overshare. Yeah, overshare. (laughs) But let me tell you something, through prayer and your diligence to pray and invite the Holy Spirit into your life and into your marriage and into your heart, it's going to help you with forgiveness. And with forgiveness, here's the bottom line. Something we like to forget or choose to forget sometimes is that we've already all been forgiven by Jesus. He already paid the price. He already went to the cross and shed his blood to cover us before we ever asked for it and without us ever earning or deserving it. So because of that number one fact alone, you need to be forgiving your spouse and everyone around you. And through prayer, that's going to help you. And I also just wanted to mention that if you're holding a grudge or holding unforgiveness against your spouse, it's like pouring a little bit of poison in your coffee every single morning. Why? Because it's toxic. It's toxic to you, it's toxic to your spouse, and it's toxic to your family and to your household. But forgiveness isn't easy, and we know that. So through prayer and through the Holy Spirit's help, we can be intentional to start forgiving our spouse quickly and without them having to earn it. Number two, praying over your spouse helps you both against temptation. Who knows that temptation is a real life thing? It's not something that we maybe talk about all the time, but it is a real life thing. And let me tell you this, the enemy would love to come and steal your marriage. That's the truth. He would love to come into your home, to get into your minds, and to steal and separate your spouse from one another. He would love nothing better than to do that. And the way that you stand your ground and you say, the enemy can't have my marriage, he can't have what God has joined together, is through prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit to be with you every single day, help you be the wife that you are called to be, help you be the the husband that you are called to be. So when I'm praying over Adrian every day, I'm not just praying, God you know, be with him, get him to work safe and get him home from work safe because I like him and I'd like to see him later. But rather, I'm like, God, would you protect my husband today? Not just physically, but God, protect him emotionally, protect him spiritually. God, in those moments that he might be feeling weak, God, would your strength fill in the gap? And would you go ahead and protect him? Would you turn him into the man of God that he needs to be today? You give him the strength, God. It's not by his own flesh and not by his own strength, but because you are with him, he is able to keep the vow he made to me before you every single day 
So praying for your spouse, it's going to help you with temptation and guard your marriage. Number three, praying over your spouse is going to bring you closer to your spouse and closer to God. How? Because it helps to soften your heart. Who knows that when you're in an intimate relationship with Jesus, your heart is not a heart of stone anymore, but it turns into a heart of flesh. You start having all kinds of softened feelings towards your spouse. And also, whenever you're praying for your spouse, you're going to learn that you're going to trust each other a lot more as well. So especially when you're praying for your spouse, and I encourage you to pray in this way, ask God to help you to deepen your love for your spouse. God, would you help me to have a deeper love for my spouse? God, would you give me eyes and a heart that are for my spouse? Would you give me a deeper desire and a deeper passion for my spouse? And let me tell you something, when you start to do that, not only will you trust each other deeper, but you will have a more intimate relationship. And I don't just mean in the bedroom, although when you invite the Holy Spirit into every aspect of your life, let me just say it's good. (laughs) Number four, Praying for your spouse helps you live out your marriage God's way. And so in Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21, it says this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And let your wife see that she respects her husband. Men, what was your calling? What did God ask you to do? He said, love your wives as a husband. That's your job, to love your wife the way that he loved the church. How did God love the church? unconditionally. That's a good answer. God loved the church so much that he died for it. He loved so much he gave up his life for it. That is the calling on your life, men, to love your wife in that way so much so that you would die for her. Anything that she needs, you die to your own needs and you wake up and give her what she needs every day. You love her in that way. And women, what is your calling? What did the verse tell us? That we are to honor and respect our husbands. Even in the moments when they fail and we don't feel like building them back up. Even in the moments where it's hard and we don't feel like showing them honor and respect. That is our role as a wife, to be a helper, to be an honoring, respectful wife. That is your role. And I know we've talked a lot about what we're expected to do. And that's why I say the biggest thing that I've learned is I need God's help. That's a big, tall order, and I can't fulfill that by myself, but through the power of the Holy Spirit and through prayer every single day, that is the way that we become closer and closer to the wife that we are supposed to be. We become closer and closer to the husband that God has called us to be, and I know we're talking a lot about strength, so I wanted to leave you with this thought as well. A strong marriage rarely has two strong people at the same time. But it's often a husband and a wife who take turns being strong for one another in the moments that the other is weak. And then together realizing Jesus is holding you both. Jesus is holding you both. Praying for each other is going to give you forgiveness in your marriage. It's going to heal your marriage. It's going to come in and it's going to bring more intimacy and more trust into your marriage. But it's also going to help protect your marriage. So through prayer together, you're going to recognize that Jesus is holding you both and he's holding you individually. He has blessed and given you something that is beautiful and worth fighting for. So I wanted to ask you today, pray for your spouse, pray for your marriage, and do it without ceasing. Does anything else need to be said? I'm like, (laughs) I feel like now we're going to close and move on. Jeez, this girl's so good. That's good, Hannah. Um, I love all that. I, it's so funny because I remember, does anyone remember the book Storm, by Stormio Martian? 
The power of a praying wife. Anybody remember that? I remember one way. For, literally, we'd been married like two weeks, and somebody gave it to me. And I just remember like reading it and going, are you kidding me? <laughs> like it seems so hard, but it's true. It's so good. Um, so the the lesson that I've learned so strongly through our marriage, which I don't think you said this, but this, for those of you who don't know us very well, in July, we'll have been married 25 years, which seems Woo! insane. Yeah. I still feel like I'm 22 most of the time. We have to remind ourselves that we're old now. Um, but is to build build your marriage on a strong foundation. And I would say again to anyone who, who's in here who's single, whether that's a, a later single season or early, build your relationships on a strong foundation. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the wind beats against that house, it will not collapse because it's built on a bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rain and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus here isn't talking about marriage, right? He's, he's not talking about relationships, but he's talking about our lives. And that's such a huge part of our lives, the relationships that we build with other people. We know, and we talk about that around here, you're not designed to live alone. We are designed to live in community. And when you build your relationships on the foundation of God's words, God's way, God's plan, then storms, when they come along, they're not going to make everything fall apart. And, and let me tell you, storms will come. We are not guaranteed that when we come to Jesus and we're like, all right, we're going to do life your way, that everything's going to be fine. If, if COVID and all the mess of the last few years taught us anything is that stuff can happen to all of us, right? Have you ever been the person who's like, this stuff doesn't happen to us? Like, I, cancer isn't in my family. Like, we don't get cancer. And then a family member gets diagnosed with cancer. And all of a sudden, something slams against that house, and you're like, what is happening here? You know, this is not what I thought was going to happen. Aaron and I, I'm like, we started out with nothing. We moved all of our possessions in a two-door Pontiac Grand Am yep. to Texas. We joke our couch was an army bag that he got from a surplus store stuffed with stuff. That's what we'd lean against. Our first dining room table was cardboard boxes covered with the tablecloth we got as a wedding present. Um, our first bed was on the floor because we got a mattress and box spring given to us, but we didn't have a frame. We started with so little, and I'm like, we have been through times of famine and times of feasting, and I tell them all the time, I'm like, as long as you and me and Jesus are good, we can take anything. We can take on anything, and, and we've gone through hard times. Uh, we've been foster parents, which was one of the hardest experiences of my life, but because our lives, our marriage, our relationship, our parenting, everything was built upon a strong foundation of God's word, we could stand it. We could handle it. And so if you're in this room and, and you are, you're, you're, you've got friendships that are not built on that. They're built on fun. They're built on feelings. You've got relationships that are built on your happiness and what you get out of that relationship. Your relationships are, are built on temporary things. Something's going to come along and it's going to hit against that thing and it's going to fall apart. What are you going to do when things start to fall apart? Go back to God's plan, God's word, and build things. Because here's what Ecclesiastes says. 
Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 9. Two people are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Um, but the three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So two in marriage is awesome. But add in the Holy Spirit, add in God as that third strand of that cord, and it will not be broken. Go to scripture. And, and I can tell you, no matter how your relationship or your marriage started, maybe you didn't start this way. That's okay. That is okay. Because God is a redeeming God. And he is a God of a fresh start, making people and places new. It's the mission of our church. He, that's what he does. He makes things new. And so it is never too late to start building your relationship and your foundation of your marriage upon the word of God. And, and this is why this matters so much, too. And I, I'll close with this, is other people are watching. So my kids, we had two kids get married last year. And let me tell you, that's scary when your kid goes to get married because you just, you don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't know who they're going to choose. But we tried to show our kids what this looks like, like healthfully. By him affirming me, my daughters learned what it looked like to have a healthy marriage. They learned that they deserve to be treated like that. They deserve to be affirmed. They deserve to be in a relationship where they get chosen, where they're not somebody's leftover. And our, our boys, they learned how to operate and serve and love and lay down their lives because people are watching your marriage. If you, it doesn't matter if you have kids or not. People around you are watching. Children are watching. Other adults and singles are watching. And so when we found our relationships and our marriage on the word of God, anything can come along and we can make it through. Yeah, that's, ooh, that's really good. Um, I don't even know how to commentate that. But let me just do a little bit of, of oversharing real quick. Um, because when Hannah and I first started dating, um, we actually moved in together before we were married. And like the crazy thing is like people were telling us like, oh, like, you know, this is going somewhere. We're like, yeah, I think so. But like the fact that like my dad was the one who said, you know, son, this isn't God's plan for you. And then we walked away like we were at a park, softball park. We just finished playing, and, like, we were excited. And then he's like, yeah, that's not what God's plan is for you. We're like, he's the only one who is a naysayer. <laughs> like, he is such a detailed thinker that he can't live in the gray area. <laughs> but then, like, whenever we got engaged, he gave us, like, the best reaction. It still makes me cry, like, a little bit. <laughs> but um, just just seeing that, you can go from not doing things God's way and we really once we were engaged we really leaned heavily into um, communication and um, doing uh, just that foundation just pour it pour it pour it slap we did a premarital counseling we got married we did postmarital counseling and it just helped us be um, just just who we are today just because of the foundation that we made and that the fact that we're even up here speaking thank you guys by the way for giving us this platform to share our testimony and God's word um, because it shows like once you do things God's way and you're redeemed then that old you is gone and the only way you can go is forward but like there will be stuff along the way but once you've gone back fixed all the hurts that you had forgiven God forgiven the other people who've done them to you and you begin to move forward now setbacks aren't emergencies they're just 
you're like, oh, God's got me, I got this. And it's easier to take those steps forward without taking as many steps back. Yeah, that's so good. I want to take a moment and pray over us. If you would bow your head and close your eyes. We've been talking a lot about our relationships and hopefully this has come through. The, The foundation of our life has to be God. And you may be here in this room, maybe you're joining us online and you would be honest and say, hey, my relationship with God is not where it needs to be. And I want you to know this morning, there is a God who loves you, who believes in you. He wants you to be successful in your marriage and in all of your relationships. And we can't fix ourselves on our own. And so the Bible is very clear. There is a brokenness inside of each and every one of us. We at some point have missed God's mark. We've missed God's plan for our life. And we can't fix that by ourselves. We need a savior. And that's why Jesus came. He gave his life. He died on the cross. He rose again so that we could have a fresh start, a brand new start. And if that's you, once again, you may be in this room. Maybe you're just watching this online, um, but you feel something. You know, God, my relationship with you needs work. I want to lead us in a very simple prayer that just acknowledges that. God, I can't fix myself on my own. I need your help. And just inviting God into our life to be a part of our life, to be a part of our marriage or our relationships or our work or our emotional health and mental health, inviting God to be a part of all of that. And so if that's you, I want to invite you to pray this prayer. And I say this every week, but let's all say this out loud together. We don't want anyone praying this alone. We don't want anyone praying this by themselves. Let's say this together. Jesus, I come to you. I know I need you in my life. I've messed up and I admit that I've sinned. I want your forgiveness. So I invite you into my life. Be the Lord of my life. Be the savior of my life. Give me a fresh start. I pray this in your name. Amen. Now church, can you just put your hands together and celebrate? The Bible says this, that all of heaven rejoices when one person prays that prayer. And If that's you, we just want to encourage you. We're celebrating with you for what God is doing inside of your life. And we don't want you to try to figure this thing out by yourself. If you're like, hey, um, I'm kind of new to this church thing or I'm new to a relationship with God. We have others that want to walk with you. And there's a simple first step of going to newcommunity.co slash connect track. And it's a class that we have. Um, it meets a couple of times a month. And it's just a safe place to ask any questions about the Bible or about Jesus. And when we talk about God saving us from our sins, what does that mean? And so we have others that want to encourage you and walk along with you and help you as you're asking some of those questions. And so if you would just take a moment, go there, um, sign up for that class. We want to help you. We don't want anyone trying to figure this thing out on their own. We want to walk with you as you're starting your journey with Jesus. Amen. I want to pray over the marriages and I want to ask that you would, if your spouse is here with you, hold their hand. So if your spouse is here with you, hold hands with your spouse. And if your spouse isn't here, that's okay. Clench your own hand. Pretend like you're holding their hand. Jesus is holding you both. Don't forget that. So um, everybody can close close their eyes and bow their heads. I do want to encourage you all to pray along with me. So even if that's just in your mind and you're just saying, amen, I agree. I feel that in my marriage. Yes, Jesus, I want that in my marriage. That's okay. 
that is sufficient. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I first of all, God, I thank you for every single marriage in this room and everyone that's watching online, God. I thank you, God, that you have brought them together in a union, God, that is like no other. God, I thank you that you give us, Lord, the opportunity to walk in a way in marriage, Lord, that represents how deep and how unconditional and how far and how wide your love is for us, God. We get to represent that through the covenant of marriage, and so we thank you for that, God. God, I ask that these spouses that are linked in hands or the spouses that are maybe not here today, God, that your covering would be over them. God, I know that 2023 is going to bring healing to marriages. I proclaim that in the name of Jesus, that marriages are going to be healed in this year, God. God, we call out your joy into our marriages. God, we call out for your peace in our marriages. God, we ask that you would help us to communicate better, to communicate deeper. If there's hurt or scars in our marriage, God, that you would bring those to the light in a healthy way, God, so that we're able to reconvene together, so that we're able to go forward in our marriage in a way that we never have before. Lord, we invite you into our marriages. We invite your Holy Spirit into our marriage and into our hearts and into our minds and into every action that we take, Jesus. I ask, Lord God, that you would bring anything that these marriages need, God, if it's counseling, if it's just wise counsel from a friend, Lord, whatever the marriages that need healing need, God, even if there's a marriage that's holding on just by a thread this morning, God, that you wouldn't let it be severed. God, we stand in defense for our marriages, God. I stand stand in defense for marriages, God. And I say in the name of Jesus that they shall not be given to the enemy, God, that he cannot have our marriages and he cannot have our families, that Lord, you are stronger than anything that the enemy would throw at us. God, I wrap marriages in your armor. God, we place the head of sal the helmet of salvation upon our marriages. We ask for your strength to hold up the shield of faith, God, as all the fiery flames of the arrow would come at us, Lord. We ask that you would place upon us the shoes of peace, the belt place of righteousness, God, upon our marriages. So as we walk and as we live and as we work and everywhere we go, that we would know that you are holding us both, that you are holding our marriage, that we would start to see a revival and refreshment and a renewal in the way that we love our spouse. That I pray, Lord God, that our love would become deeper and more passionate for our spouse, that our eyes and our hearts would be desiring and fixated on our spouse, God, that we would fall more passionately and deeper in love with you, Jesus, and out of that abundance of love, we would love our spouse deeper. God, I pray over every husband in this room that he would learn what it means, God, to walk out loving his wife the way that you, Christ, have loved the church. I pray over every wife in this room, God, that she would understand in every single moment how you're calling her to honor and respect and love her husband in that way. God, we believe that you have good things for our marriages this year and for the rest of our lives. God, I ask that you would give us the strength to live out that commitment and that vow that we have made before you. God, let it not be separated, but instead, God, you be the center. You be the foundation. You be the love. You be the lack. God, anything that we're lacking in ourselves, we know we can depend on you to provide. God, we pray all of this in your mighty and holy and precious and trustworthy name. Amen. If you're here with your spouse, lean over and give them a kiss. I'm not joking. I better hear smooches going on in this. All right. Amen. Also, I know we've been talking a lot about praying and inviting the Holy Spirit and building a foundation and just kind of talking about that. If you don't really know where to start, if you're not really sure where to start, like, hey, how do I start praying for my spouse or how do we start praying for our marriage? We have an action step for you. 
to pray for your marriage. So that's your action step. Please start praying for your marriage. Please start praying for your spouse. And if you don't really know where to start, we have a tool for you. So as you're exiting the sanctuary, Gabe and Keith are gonna be handing out marriage prayers. These are just a starting place. They're a fantastic starting place. If it's gonna help cut through the awkwardness of praying together or cut through like just the unknown of how to pray over your spouse, use this as a tool. It talks in the marriage prayer about coming together in unity, about joy and about peace and about coming together in a passionate way and not in a weird way, but it's a really great place to start. So I would encourage you, please take it on your way out. If you're married, go ahead and grab one. I would encourage you do it today. Don't wait until later. Don't say I'll start Monday. Start praying for your spouse today. Start praying for your marriages today. And you can use this as a tool. It's just an easy way to get started.